Hello and welcome to Beat My Guest. I'm your host, AJ Mass. Beat My Guest is a trivia podcast where each episode, one guest will take up residence in the torturous hot seat and attempt to prove that their Mensa membership was no fluke. The rules? Well, they tend to change from time to time in order to keep my guests on their toes. But for the current version of the game, the rules are about as simple as they can get. Only one question will be asked. Only one answer will be required. Get it right, and you win all the glory. Get it wrong, and you win all the shame. So welcome to a podcast that is guaranteed, much like our theme song, to be about uh, 75% true. And join the millions of people who are playing along at home, hoping that they too can beat my guest. But before you can beat my guest, you need to meet my guest. So let's give a warm hot seat welcome to Seth Disner. Seth, how are you, sir? Well, thank you, AJ. I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm excited about the new format. I'm excited about the new new, uh, questions. I'm excited to have fewer opportunities to look silly. Um, but uh, overall, I'm just, it's a thrill to be back. All right. Well, in case uh, folks don't remember your last appearance or just tuning in for the first time, why would you be tuning in for the first time? You're all long, long listeners. Uh, no, welcome to each and every one of you. But yeah, why don't you tell them who you are, uh, your raison d'etre, perhaps? Yes, thank you. Uh, well, I am, uh, my name is Seth, and I um, live in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, but I'm a native Californian, so I'm, uh, I'm horrified by the situation I found myself in, especially because uh, later on this afternoon, I think we're expecting about eight inches of snow, um, which is not great, but I'm a, I'm a psychologist by training. I, I focus on mental health. Um, I, I'm a, I, I've had a few go-rounds in the hot seat. Um, some of them have been quite uh, good and I was pleased with. Some of them have been quite horrifying and I was ashamed of. So um, I-, I consider myself a scientist and I'm collecting data points. And I, here's another chance for me to find out if I'm actually any good at this. And I really don't honestly know. <laughs> it's all a roll of the dice anyway. Uh, yeah, the weather here in New Jersey has been particularly crazy this week. It was close to freezing yesterday, but tomorrow it'll be a fun, sunny 65 degrees. So I don't know what the heck's going on in the world. Oh, well, I, I'll try not to think about it too much as, as I'm shoveling the mountains of snow out of my uh, driveway. Indeed. Well, you do that. Uh, hopefully I won't have to shovel a whole bunch of stuff uh, <laughs> for this episode. Let's just get, get into it, shall we? Let's start things off. I'm going to need from you three, three numbers. Your choice between one and 12. Let's just get the randomization out of the way. Yeah, good, good thought. Uh, I'll go uh, one, two, three. No reason belaboring the point. One, two, three. That is lovely. Let us uh, corral our one, two, threes here. And while I do that, uh, let me remind you or let people know. Uh, yeah, one question. That's all you're getting asked in this game. One question. And in fact, uh, that question is uh, the same question each and every episode. Basically, uh, which of the four facts you're about to hear is not a fact at all, but is in fact a fiction. Uh, that's your, going to be your question. Now, going to get a little more detailed than that. I'm going to read you four facts. Three of them will be absolutely true. One of them, not entirely true. Uh, it may have a germ of truth to it. it, may have its basis in reality, but there's going to be something in that fourth item that is uh, going to make it complete nonsense, balderdash, uh, and you're going to say ixnay to that one. At least that's your plan. Uh, hopefully you can suss it out. Uh, the success rate has been, uh, shall we say, uh, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> <laughs> better not to say, yeah, uh, thus far. But yeah, who knows? You, you could, uh, you could uh, swoop in and, and, and solve it. Uh, are you prepared for the task? 
I, I am prepared and I have to apologize because I realized earlier I explicitly explicitly said I wasn't going to belabor the point, but uh, it's one question. So maybe I should belabor the point very slightly to actually have a little bit of content. Um, <laughs> that said, I'm as, I'm as ready as I'll ever be. Excellent. So uh, I have 12 games uh, in front of me uh, of four facts apiece, each one with a little uh, name uh, attached to it so that it, it, thematically, it has something to do with the, the title of the set. Uh, perhaps you're not going to be able to suss it out entirely, but maybe it might push you in one direction or the other. Uh, those random numbers you gave me narrowed it down to three. Eh, really, that's not fair to you because that's random. But here, I'm going to give you a little bit of agency. I'm going to read the three titles you have picked, and hopefully one of them will appeal to you more than the others. Please talk out your decision. Which set would you like to play, Seth? Would you like corny stories nomads or not very sporting oh boy so uh i like these options very much um and i i my my i have a knee-jerk reaction and i'm going to try to think through if that's actually the best call so so i'm i'm very partial to corny stories i'm a big fan of them um, I, assuming you mean this very literally, which I'm quite positive you do not. Um, so if this is literally stories about corn and it's like, you know, Iowa state history, I might be a little bit more uh, out of luck. No, uh, nomads, I have, I'm quite neutral on nomads. I liked Nomadland. I thought that was a, you know, but everybody did. It was a great movie, but I don't think I liked it more than I was supposed to, if that makes sense. Um, so I don't think I have any particular frame of reference, but not very sporting has my attention. Um, I am a big sports fan, but of course, perhaps this is not sporting questions, as is uh, the AJ tradition. So rather than uh, vacillate wildly back and forth, uh, boy, so I want to pick corny stories, except that if it's really about corn, I'm going to be quite upset. I think that's a risk I'm not willing to take. So I will go uh, not very sporting. Not very sporting. Well, the other two will go back into the hopper. So someday we may indeed learn. <laughs> I look forward to finding out what, what this, the, the, the secret of corny stories really was. In fact, number one, niblets. <laughs> <laughs> and there four questions about John Shock. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Not very sporting is your category of choice. We'll go through those four facts one at a time after I read each one. You know, feel free to... Uh, Ask me some questions, clarification, grill me a little bit. Uh, you know, we can tell the truth this. Uh, however you want to play it, uh, there's no right way or wrong way to play this game. Not really, even though there are ways that are better than others and much more preferable for the listener and myself. <laughs> but, you know, we'll see how we go. Uh, and, and a final reminder, the thing that makes the fiction a fiction is not going to be something incredibly nitpicky. It's not going to be where... Uh, I say something happened in 1970 and then, you, you know, oh, ha ha, it was 1971, you foolish person. How could you not know this? It's going to be something a little more meaty than that. So with all of that in mind, here is that. Number one, although all major golf tournaments today have cameras recording each and every stroke, that's not always true of smaller qualifying events. In 2006, Roberta Davidson found herself in the lead by six strokes after 14 holes of a qualifying event for the U.S. Women's Open. The other competitors were stunned, primarily because none of them had ever seen her play before or even heard of her. Unfortunately for Davidson, Jane Park, who had moved on to the 16th tee, 
realized that she had dropped her gloves and went back to the 15th green to retrieve them. And she arrived just in time to see Davidson running up to her ball and kicking it closer to the <laughs> hole before her playing partners caught up to her. That is fact uh, number one. Please feel free to uh, so, elucidate. So as a uh, bad golfer, this seems incredibly plausible. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I, I'm, I enjoy golf, but I've, I'm very poor at it. I've probably played maybe 15 times in my life. So I'm not, I'm not a seasoned expert, but I've, I've kicked my share of balls here, AJ. I'm not willing to, I'm not afraid to admit it. Usually, usually while my friends are watching, I'm not, I'm not trying to be sort of, uh, you know, uh, secretive or covert about it. I think that this feels very plausible because I know that there's sort of a time honored tradition of, um, you know, trying trying to advantage the, uh, the 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 lie of the ball, but at the same time, it feels like across an entire you know. So I assume a qualifying tournament is is you know four rounds of golf, and a six stroke lead is a pretty large lead. So that would be a lot of ball kicking if she was doing this quite consistently. Um, now, in so, fairness, I do believe, and this point of this is to clarify, I do believe do. that I, these I believe are single uh, day qualifying events Ooh, for the interesting. most part. Yeah, they don't they don't have the time to devote four rounds to uh, you, you <laughs> I know. Guess, the, I guess these that's are not yeah. This is this is pretty much you know you, you can you can register if you finish in like the top. Uh, my understanding of how it works uh, is that if you finish in like the top five places in one of these qualifiers, then you can move on to be considered for one of the okay. uh, wild card spots or qualifier spots for the major tournament. So I, now is when I admit that the entirety of my knowledge about U.S. Open qualifying comes from the film Happy Gilmore, which is perhaps not the <laughs> not the <laughs> most accurate reenactment yeah. of that experience. Um, yeah. Okay, so so that does that does strike me as a little more plausible. Um, so this is the U.S. Open qualifier. Uh, can, did you did you say where it was held? Where the where the, the tournament was held? I did not. I know they have them uh, in general. They do have these all over the place. Okay. Um, I don't I just, just I, even here in my small little rinky dink town of Galloway, New Jersey. Yeah. We actually have the LPGA Shoprite open just a few <laughs> a few blocks away from where I am, and so they because they, you know, because they, they swing by. Yeah, <laughs> this kind of behavior strikes me as New Jersey kind of behavior. Whereas in a you know in a good in a good ethical state like California, where I'm from, this would never happen. Sure. Um, sure. I'm going to stick with that because there's no way to refute it. Uh, okay. All right. Well, let's see. I think I, I'm, I'm slightly dubious, but not so much. And I am generally prepared to find out how this compares to the other facts. No, that's exactly. That's, that's how we do. So let's go on to another one of those facts and see uh, once you have a side-by-side, -side, uh, maybe you'll lean one way or the other. But, you know, four, uh, four to choose from. So it's early. Uh, all to play for. Fact! Number two, Baron Wolfgang von Kempelen became known all over the world in the 1770s for his chess playing machine called the Turk. A box filled with levers and gears would whirl and grind uh, and appear to move the arms of a mechanical turbaned mannequin so that it would move the pieces on a chessboard. Amazingly, the Turk won most of its games, many against the very strongest of players. The machine was passed around from owner to owner until it was destroyed in a fire in Philadelphia in 1854. And only then did the Turk's final owner confess that there was a hiding place inside the machine for an actual chess grandmaster to secrete himself. And the whole thing was indeed a fraud. Uh, good use of the term secrete himself, by the way. I very much appreciate that. Um, just, just fun with homophones. 
uh, or I guess the homonym, neither here nor there. The, um, okay, so this is a great story. This is a wonderful story. Um, I, uh, now the question here, so I know, I, I happen to know there's at least some shreds of truth in this. So some of this is hitting home a little bit. The question is, you know, I recognize you're not gonna, you know, it, you said 1770s or 1780s, it's not gonna be that, I get it. But, but I'm, I'm trying to remember the precise details of this. So, um, so broadly speaking, the, you, you mentioned that this was passed around from, from person to person. Did, 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 you, did you, do you know like how long it was passed around? Was it decades or was it mostly just over a relatively short span of time? Um, well, uh, the original uh, Baron toured with his machine in the 1770s and took it overseas to, you know, that was Europe, took, took it to America and, you know, he didn't want to go. So he kind of said, yeah, here, you take the machine, go to America. Um, it, it was passed around a couple of times. Like I said, you know, it started in 1770s. It was destroyed in a fire in the 1850s. So we're talking a good uh, 75 years or so okay. there that it went around. I, I don't think it was a thing where it was like 15 different owners. It was probably more like four, five, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, it was kind of like uh, make, make your, get your fame, get your fortune, make your, uh, your little uh, money, your grift, and then pass it on to the next guy so that uh, you, you can get out before they discover the secret. <laughs> Um, do, do you happen to know if Baron Wolfgang von Kemplin was an actual Baron, or if this is just sort of a moniker that he went by to increase his mystique? That's a very good question. I do not know the answer to that. I, my, my, I wouldn't put it past him for being an actual Baron, just given the fact that uh, the machine itself was very intricate and he had let people investigate it. Uh, and even observers, when they were looking at the machine in action, couldn't see anybody in the machine it, you know the, the levers and gears were exposed um the hiding place was very well done he probably had to have money to construct it in the sure. first place which would lead me to believe that probably was a baron yeah so these are the kind of shenanigans that nobility often find themselves with the time to do that uh okay so so i will now now is when i'll i'll share what i do know about the situation which is that i am familiar with so i'm as i mentioned at the top i'm a i'm a researcher or i'm a scientist and uh, I'm I'm familiar with there. There was for a long time. I believe there still is a uh, an Amazon product called Mechanical Turk, um, and the Amazon Mechanical Turk product um, is uh, a for those of you that don't know is a system for essentially crowdsourcing data collection, wherein you can you know if you're a if you're a random person you can go to the Mechanical Turk website and sign up to take a survey for thirty cents, or you sign up to do you know look at pictures and judge how um, terrifying they are for a dollar fifty, um, and, and I'm a psychological researcher, so I've I've done my fair share of uh, terrifying of, of research participants, usually undergrads, so we don't care about them. Um, so so I know that the rationale for calling it Mechanical Turk, I don't know this, so I don't know the story, but I know the rationale for calling it Mechanical Turk was the idea that you you would outsource compute computation to humans, that you would the idea is that you you recruit you know actual human beings to provide all your, your mystical, wonderful data collection. And so I believe it's incredibly plausible that this is true. Um, it seems like the idea of this, this gentleman hiding a chess player in a machine would be the origin of this mechanical Turk. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I, I, I will, I will almost certainly dub this one true, but I guess we'll find out what the other ones are. Indeed. There's still two left to go. Yeah. I, I, uh, when I took psych, 
105 in uh, college. I was one of these uh, undergrads who had to uh, endure some of these ridiculous experiments. <laughs> Uh, one of which was was laughable on its face, where they gave me information and they told me I was going to uh, shortly thereafter debate a professor in the subject. And immediately I go, no, I'm not. <laughs> like, you're, you're trying to see if I will approach this any differently armed with that information. And that's not going to happen. So I saw right through that one. I was, I was not helpful to them in that regard. AJ! The other These one psychologists was, are trying so hard. I know. Well, and you blinded a little better than that. Uh, <laughs> the other one was a, just simple, simple survey where they were gauging uh, reactions. But you know, everything was on a scale of one to strong. You know, strongly disagree to strongly agree. And I got to one question, and I the way it was worded, I just I, I went up to him like, "Look, I I want to help you. <laughs> I want to give you the information that you you you're looking for here. But the way you've worded this question is ambiguous, and I need." I need you to tell me what, what you're asking here. Because the sentence was, <laughs> it, well, the whole thing was, this is the, the whole survey was supposed to gauge the college male's uh, attitude towards sexual assault in various categories. Sure, sure. And, and so the sentence said, any woman can be raped. <laughs> oh, no. I'm not laughing. That's terrible to laugh at. I shouldn't well, be laughing but, at that. But it's a bad question. So, like, so um, do you mean it is possible for any woman to be raped? Because then oh I would strongly gosh. agree. Yeah. Uh, is it okay for any woman to, to be raped? Yeah. I strongly disagree. You're going to get to a completely, like, well, we can't really tell you. I'm like, well, then I'm not answering the question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. So I, I should, you know, I don't, I don't actually work with undergrads anymore. That was mostly what I did when I was in, in graduate school. But I will say that you have to really bend your mind to figure out how useful the opinions of sort of 18 to 22 year old relatively highly educated people who have or you know who are obligated to be there uh, how useful that actually is and, and the answer is not all that useful in many ways um but yeah no sorry about your experience i on the on behalf of psychology research everywhere everywhere aj i apologize uh listeners i apologize as well i still think you know good 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 questions to be answered a lot of research studies are well done but um that doesn't sound like a be the best use of your time pretty much all right, you know what would be the best use of our time right now is to move along. There we go. <laughs> a fact! Uh, number three. Carlos Ribagorda was part of the gold medal winning Spanish basketball team at the 2000 Paralympic Games. Spain had defeated Russia 87 to 63 to take home the glory. However, after a few weeks, Ribagorda uh, returned his medal to the organizers. Shortly after publishing a newspaper article about how 10 of the 12 members of the winning team, including himself, had no disabilities whatsoever and had only been pretending to be eligible to compete so that they could get a free trip to Australia. Fernando Martin Vicente, vice president of the Spanish Paralympics Committee, was found guilty of fraud, but to this day still denies any foreknowledge of the cheating plan. Um... All right. Uh, this is this is uh, a, a tragedy and, and horrific, but also um, I, I, I sort of hope it was true because it sounds very interesting. Uh, sorry, I, 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 my connection cut out for a second. Did you say what sport it was at the Paralympics? Uh, this was basketball. Basketball. OK. And this, um, was, uh, this was a Paralympics event. There are different different classifications. So some of the classifications have to do with uh, physical uh, mm -hmm. disabilities, like so wheelchairs or missing sure. limbs or things like that. Yeah. Um, they also have a completely separate for, um, I don't know exactly what they term it, but it's more mental defects. So sure, where sure. you get people who uh, have some sort of learning disabilities and, and, and stuff like that. 
sure. with, with the goal, of course, not being that you can just go out there and pretend. Right. Like, sure. Yeah. Cause, you know, cause I was thinking that, that, you know, I was thinking of sort of the, the Thunderball, you know, idea of th- Thunderball. No, that's the Bond movie. What's the, what's the, the, the basketball with wheelchair murder ball. Murder ball, thank you. I was in the ballpark. The Bond should play murder ball. That would be a fun cop crossover. <laughs> um, the uh, the murder ball. So I, I I work at a hospital. There's a lot of um, uh, uh, there's a, a big spinal cord injury um, section of the hospital I work in, and they're very proud of a lot of the work they've done with with um, uh, with people who have who have recovered. So so I was thinking, you know, having having watched and seen pictures and things like that of of the the version of Paralympic basketball with with um, wheelchairs and things that that would be like, I don't think my, my lack of disability would help me with that. That seems like an incredibly difficult thing. And so now that said, the, the, the secondary component where everyone is basically physically able, but sort of differently, um, you know, having, having uh, more, you know, educational, developmental, whatever disabilities. Well, that's certainly seems plausible. 2000 is a bit, a, feels a bit late for sort of you know, disability related shenanigans, but it's also, you know, it's not totally outside the question. This was still the kind of height of the steroid era and a lot of sort of looking the other way. Um, can I, can I ask, uh, I guess, so, so the Paralympics are held usually where the Olympics are. So it's 2000, was this in Sydney also? Yeah. Uh, they, yeah, they usually, uh, it's either a month before or a month after they, because right. the facilities are all, are all there. Um, sure. obviously, uh, you know, Attendance numbers would would not be as high, but I I, I, I do believe that uh, they're actually still well enough attended that it's 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 still a fun event for everybody. Yeah. And, you know, there is a lot of support for these athletes, some of whom are just you know amazing, amazing athletes. You know, sure, of course, no, it's it's unequivocally impressive. Um, uh, but I'm wondering, you know, so so Australia, you know, is is like. You, you like to think that there's people who are checking this. You like to think that there's people who are sort of vetting it. And but Australia is not a place I think of as having sort of an overwhelming regulatory presence. So, um, so well, I wonder. I mean, in fairness, I mean Australia is also a, a country that uh, completely locked down for COVID. So perhaps that's true. Well, boy, I, I shouldn't throw stones. Goodness gracious. Um, and and I do yeah. believe that Australia is what is uh, just. Apropos, uh, apropos of uh, certain recent trivia questions, and I hope it wasn't today's, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I do believe I do. Australia has, in the past, been very hard on like quarantining athletes and making sure that there's like a window. Of, that's of, true. So, so uh, regulatory-wise, okay. mm, that's an interesting is. point. Perhaps I'm, I'm just. Uh... I don't want to intune my Australian no. listeners. Oh, I, I, the last thing I want to do is intune Australian listeners. I actually. I'm a big fan of Australia, Australia culture. Uh, the show Bluey, which is a masterpiece, is a fixture in my household with my children. For those of you, <laughs> I recommend I recommend Bluey to adults, even if they don't have kids. If you have kids, you have to watch it. If you don't have kids, you probably should still watch it. It's it's one of the best shows on TV, children or otherwise. So so yay Australia! I didn't mean to besmirch it, and I apologize. I formally retract my previous aspersions. Um, IOC, however, on the other hand, I'm perfectly willing to cast this for. Oh, I guess I don't know if the IOC does Paralympics. It, it, do, do you happen to know if the Paralympics fall under the IOC umbrella as well? I think there's a there's a partnership relationship kind of thing going on there, but uh, there are separate independent Paralympics committees sure. that that work together. But I do believe it's all under, in some way. I mean, they're using the same facilities. They're probably all connected at some umbrella tip. Got it. So, so my, my thought process now, having heard three quarters of the facts, is that 
the the first one, the golf one, requires one bad actor, and this this one would require, in theory, ten at least ten bad actors, and and likely the entire team, because it's hard to imagine that the other two were surprised by the developmental capacities of the ten the ten non disabled members. So so it does seem more likely that the that one person cheated than ten people cheated. But that said, um, I don't know this this. You know, I, I know full well how common it is for people to to try to game disability system. You know, I, 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 I working in the healthcare system, it's it's incredibly common for people to just straight up either lie or exaggerate or or do whatever they need to do to to get benefits. And you know, I'm not totally sure what benefit a Paralympic medal has, but probably some. Um, I mean, obviously, pride and honor if you've earned it, but I'm not. I don't think there's like a cash award or anything like that, is there? Well, and as I said, the uh, motivation, according to uh, Carlos Rigobordo in the article he wrote, was they just wanted to get a free trip to Australia. Yeah, yes, that, yes, you did. Say that, that was what they got out of it. Okay, that's that's well, Australia, as the aforementioned Australia, lovely country full of wonderful people. They so, flew Qantas. <laughs> Qantas. <laughs> So I, I absolutely can understand that as a motivating factor. Um, all right. Well, I'm, I'm, I think that of the three so far, this is the one that perhaps, I, well, goodness, great. okay, I'm slightly more dubious of this one than the first one. I, I'm relatively confident about the Mechanical Turk one. Uh, so let's, let's take this, this thunder into, uh, into question, into fact number four. Fact number four. Donald Crowhurst was one of nine sailors who entered a 1968 around the world yacht race. After several months of sailing, he broke radio silence and reported that he was rounding South America and on his way back to England, putting him in second place. However, the truth was that Crowhurst had no real idea what he was doing and had just been meandering around the Atlantic Ocean for 111 days while his poorly manufactured boat was falling apart around him. After receiving word that the first place boat had sunk and he was now in the lead, Fear of his deception being revealed caused Crowhurst to do the unthinkable. It is believed that he jumped overboard and drowned in order to avoid the shame of being exposed. His abandoned yacht was eventually found, along with a diary which detailed his deception. Goodness gracious, this story. Wow, this this went a lot of different places. A happy tale to round it out. (laughs) (laughs) He should have spent more time in scenic Australia is what he should have done. Um, (laughs) Did, did you did you mention a year? I mean, not written it down. Nineteen sixty-eight uh, into sixty-nine. That's not that long ago. Um, goodness, I okay. So a yacht race, round the world yacht race. Um, did you? Um, so 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 it's it said it started in in and I guess it ended in in England. Is that right? Yeah. It uh, the uh, planned course was for people to. Uh, Take off from England, uh, shoot down all the way around Africa, hook around the world, swing back across up South America and hit back to England. That was the planned course. Uh, He didn't know what he was doing. He wasn't a sailor. He kind of just kind of got people to back him. Uh, He was certainly the least uh, experienced of the nine sailors who embarked on the race. Uh, And he just kind of like realized, okay, I'm, don't know where I'm going. I'll just I'll just wait here long enough, and then I'll announce I'm turning back. So now this is I'm trying to think about this is this is a level of brazenness that uh, I appreciate um, uh, in in theory. Although of course his his tragic demise is not 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 preferred. Um, oh, I, so so I'm thinking about GPS technology. I believe that this was obviously you know uh, would have been 
slightly before even the, the army was using GPS technology. And so well before rando yacht owners would have had it for their, their, uh, their machines. Um, I don't, so I'm trying to think if I was the organizer of a, of a round the world yacht race, what levels of oversight would I have? Would I, would I have people look at the Cape of Good Hope to like, you know, see if there's a yacht going past it or would I, would I station folks in, in, you know, Indonesia or, or, or somewhere, you know, Tierra de Fuego, some, some place where they're in theory they'd have to go. Uh, I guess there's a Panama Canal. That's another question. Were canals allowed? That, that doesn't really impact the story. Yeah, the Rosie Ruiz of the race just cuts across the Panama Canal. <laughs> exactly. It's like a cheat code. It's like the Konami code of yacht racing. Um, so so I, 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 I have to assume for a, a race of this scope that there would be more than just the honor system in 1968. And this was like you know, 1752, sure, whatever. But, um, but 1968, I feel, I feel like there must have been a little oversight. That said, uh, so, so um, is, do you have any additional information about Mr. Mr. Crumhurst about, uh, I don't know if even I wrote his name down right, I can't read my writing. Do, is there any other like relevant information about who he was, what his profession was, or did he have a family? Did he have anything else we know about him? Uh, he definitely had a family, and his his motivation for this was that he figured that uh, you know he he convinced people to back him because that again was money that he got from these people to back him. He didn't put all the money into the boat; he siphoned some of the money off to the family. as you do, of course, sure, sure. Um, and he figured, look, I I don't have to win the race. In fact, I don't want to win the race. No one would believe that uh, if I finish third, like out of these nine then that'll get me enough publicity where I can, you know, maybe, you know, maybe even you know, sneaking into second would be great. You know, I, I can, I can parlay that into like, Oh my goodness, look at this guy came from nowhere, sailed around the world. It's not like he has to sail around the world again at any point and, and repeat the task. He can just kind of live on that infamy a little bit and then, you know, get enough money for his next thing. Uh, you know, I'm the guy who came from nowhere to finish, you know, third in the sail around the world race. And I didn't even know what I was doing. <laughs> Uh, so he was a bit of a, my understanding is a bit of a uh, creative thinker when, <laughs> when it came to these things. Uh, but yeah, he, uh, part, part of the, I think part of the, uh, it was, it was the double dip of when he realized that he was going to end up winning the race based on his position. If he made it back in time, he started to panic. Uh, he knew that scrutiny would all of a sudden be on him sure. at that point. Uh, they would actually check his records that he was forging <laughs> this whole time. Uh, and he felt really bad because the, the fact of the matter is that the the reason that he had also heard the you know that the first place boat sunk because the the guy said oh my god he's catching me I better go faster and perhaps pushed his boat too far hmm. which is what caused his boat to sink so he felt responsible for the you know endangering the life of the other guy too so yeah interesting so so i um as i mentioned at the top I, i'm from california originally i have uh, i'm not really a boat person um i have some some nautical members of my family you know grandfather was in uh italian navy uh pre pre the war he left before the war the right version of the italian navy i have to make sure i clarify that that's i'm oversimplifying that story but it's a, it's a fun grandfatherly story it's not not for this podcast um Ashes. Yeah, the fun, <laughs> the fun story about escaping fat. Um, that's a that's a good one. But the point of the story is, so I, I feel sort of vaguely nautically affiliated, even if I myself um, am not a particularly good boatsman. Um, I don't I don't think yachts just sink a lot. Um, 
it seems a little implausible that somebody who was sort of talented enough to be in the lead of this race, um, in theory, on the home stretch, would sink. That said, you know, obviously they're going through the North Atlantic, you know, there's icebergs, things like that. There's some, some famous stories about icebergs in the Atlantic. I think we might have heard one. Or might two. have heard one or, one or two. It's a you know, treacherous <laughs> place. Um, over and over and over. So I, I just, that's the, the part of this Australian's credulity the most is... <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what got into me. <laughs> oh no! By all means, take the, take the floor. So I'm 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 slightly dubious that these boats just be sinking. Like I don't think that's that's how that would go. Um, I also like assuming he has a family. Assuming he has, you know, d- despite his uh, his you know malfeasance and his his um, I'm trying to think of other novel words for for sort of shameful behavior. Um, Despite all of that, you know, I still don't think that sort of the the leap into the ocean and assume that's going to solve the problem approach is really the the wisest one. Um, uh, assuming there weren't other underlying sort of mental health conditions, which might make that more likely. So, so I am tempted to call shenanigans. Um, 1968 <laughs> just feels a little late for this kind of this kind of Michigas. Um, now that said, oh boy, if this was true which it might be, that'd be a bummer. Like I would really be sad that this, this is a, a, real, a real tragedy. But, but I, also, I also think that this, this feels to me like, let, let me put myself in, in the seat of, of AJ Mass, the notably cooler seat of AJ Mass. What, what, what would I put together? Let me put together a, a really dastardly story of, 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 um, of some, some sort of horrible tragedy. And surely Seth won't think that I made that up. Um, so that's I, I'm 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 definitely overthinking this. Um, but I, uh, I, <laughs> He's trying to game the game, folks. I'm not I'm not I'm gaming the man. I'm not gaming the game. Um, but I'm not even doing that. Let's be honest. So the okay. So let's let's do a bit of a recap then, because now we have all the facts or all the facts in one fiction. I feel okay. Mechanical Turk, quite sure is true. Uh, kicking the ball certainly plausible. Something I've done seems seems very possible. Wouldn't wouldn't be all that unexpected. The, 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 the basketball team, um, it, 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 so it, I think I'm honing it in on the basketball team versus the, the yacht story as being the ones that I'm, I'm least confident in. Um, the basketball team at least sort of strikes me as a sort of victimless crime. I guess there's the victims of the, the actual honest competitors who, who, uh, who don't get to succeed, but, but at the same time, I can kind of see that as being some sort of, you know, the Spanish backroom, like, you know, bar and they're all laughing over their, their um, Manchego and enjoying the idea of getting a scamming a free trip to Australia. That, that, that tracks a little bit more. <laughs> um, I, boy, am I just throwing cultural norms out the window. Like I'm, I'm really just besmirching countries left and right on this. I, I uh, feel badly. I love Spain. I love Australia. I love all these countries. I don't, I don't have a, a, a children's show from Spain. I can pull up quite as easily as I can from Bluey, uh, Bluey from Australia. So anyway, to, to get to the matter. Azuli. I, I, <laughs> I bet that would be charming as well. Charming and heartfelt. So this is all by way of saying, I, I, I'm hoping this is a hope more than it is a guess. I'm hoping that the fourth one is false, that the yacht story is false. It, it seems to strain my understanding of how yachts work, which is admittedly not all that strong. Um, and so that, that will be my, my formal official declaration about, the, about the, the fictional story. And I'm prepared for you to explain exactly how wrong I truly am. 
well, uh, we will uh, accept your answer of uh, Donald Crowhurst and the yacht as being uh, your guess for the fiction. And uh, now let's move on to the reveal. You seemed very, very confident that uh, Baron Wolfgang von Kempelen and the uh, chess playing Turk was a fact. And indeed, that is a fact. Okay. Uh, and the fact that it was a hoax was part of the fact. So that's perfectly cromulent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, uh, what, was, what was fascinating to me about the story is that he was very willing to let people examine the machine while it was working. Uh, hmm. And the, you just, the way it was set up with like Houdini esque uh, craftsmanship, you really could not see uh, the players. Apparently, there was a panel that had a mirror to kind of push the light and mm. it could slide to one side and the shadow would hide them. And um, they were like in between gears visually. Whoa. So you would think, well, there's not enough space there, but of course there was enough space there. So as long as they kind of just slid to one side, when someone actually peered in, they would, they couldn't be seen. And uh, wow. yeah, he would go around and he'd be like, uh, oh yeah, my, my, my mechanicals Turk can beat all chess players and, and did sort of, I sort of wonder how much this uh, this very cramped chess master must have been paid for for, for you know decades worth of of, uh, of tomfoolery. Well, and it wasn't one. I mean, they would go on tour. Oh, and sure. The the, the shtick was they'd go into town like a day early and, and recruit the, the <laughs> best player in town and hide them. You know, some <laughs> like, tight lipped chess masters, I guess. Yeah. Well, get paid. You can you can you can keep your secrets. And you know, back then, it, it, certainly the seventeen seventies, with enough of these uh, traveling flim flam man. Uh, <laughs> medicine shows and everything i'm sure it was a little bit easier to once you left town you were you were in the clear so sure sure <laughs> um yeah so the totally totally true there i certainly certainly it's more uh complicated than the uh tic-tac-toe playing chicken <laughs> where it's just like we'll drop we'll drop the coin we'll, we'll drop the speaking of corn we'll drop the niblet of corn in, in the spot where we want we want them to pack <laughs> and that's how that works <laughs> Yeah, that's quite a grift. Uh, really, really some masterminds behind that one. So that narrows it down to three. Let's move on to three. Mine as well. Carlos Rigobordo and the 2000 Paralympic basketball champion Spanish team is fact. <laughs> uh, Boy. Yeah. Uh, he, Car I, I don't know what to make of Carlos. Carlos wrote the expose article almost immediately um and kind of implied that yes he was in on it from the beginning because he was recruited to be a part of it um and he wrote this article as the expose which he feels exonerates him a little bit because he was just undercover oh, yeah, stop no, it before not a good look carlos yeah stop it before it starts and part of the story where it's like yeah well it was the 10 of us but we we thought we better have at least two people who do qualify. So they recruited them late. Oh no. Oh no. So they were not that... in on it at all. And Oh boy. Um, apparently they were up by about 40 at the halftime of their first game. And like, everyone's yeah. like, guys, we can't make it look this. <laughs> we played down a little boy. bit. Boy. Uh, and so at halftime of the first game, they had to remind themselves that they're not supposed to be winning oh. by this much. Um, you know, I'm, I'm reminded about, so I went to, to Duke University and I had a chance when I was there to work in the, in the, for the TV station. And that means I got to attend some, um, I, I got to do the play-by-play -play actually for some preseason Duke women's basketball games. And Duke women's basketball, great team. Um, one time they played in a preseason game, uh, a school that I forget, some, some random preseason game. And, 
and uh, uh, Duke scored first. They had two points, and then the other team scored, and they had two points. So it was two two, and then Duke went on a fifty to nothing run. Um, they scored fifty unanswered points, and I I thought I was hallucinating, but I found an article confirming that it actually happened because, um, you know, and I gotta say it wasn't it it wasn't a very fun game to watch. <laughs> like it was impressive. But I kind of imagine, you know, the envisioning these sort of largely able Spanish basketball players just totally dominating. The, the, oh, this is this is a sad story. Not quite as yeah. sad as the the drowned flim flam yacht man, but still still a bummer. Yeah, I I, I vaguely remember my freshman year of college that uh, a whole bunch of us got together and we were watching uh, the Sun Belt Championship game between South Alabama with Gabe Estaba and some <laughs> other team. I don't remember what team they were playing, but it was like 32 to 14 at the half that, that they were up 18. And we changed the channel. We watched something else. And about 25, 30 minutes had passed. I go, hey, can we, let's go to the other game, see if the other team had scored yet. And they hadn't. And it was now like 68 14. <laughs> Boy, yeah. Okay. Well, sportsmanship. Let's yeah. do it. No. Although, hey, it's the Sun Belt yeah. Championship game. It's college the college basketball. No, I, I actually am not. I don't mean to, to lump the college basketball players in with the cheating Spanish uh, Paralympic team. That's not That's not yeah. fair. Well, that's like when athletes in action would always come in for uh, an sure. exhibition game or marathon oil. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, I, I feel suddenly sympathetic to the Washington Generals. Um, there you go. Uh, all right. Down to the final two. Uh, and no, I'm not going to Monty Hall you. <laughs> if you want to switch that's not how this game works uh we have fact number one which is the golf cheating fact number four which is the yacht race gone bad and let's discuss the golf cheating fact number one uh all major golf tournaments do not have cameras and that is why the cameras did not pick up roberta davidson kicking the ball closer to the hall no that never happened that's the fiction Oh, no. It seems so plausible. I should have known. Now, it, I based this in part on a story that I had uncovered. Uh, it was not in the women's uh, open. It was for the uh, men's open. Uh, apparently, the guy in question only lasted four holes before he was caught, not 14. Uh, uh, and yeah. he, he actually would hit the ball. Uh, and then he would sprint towards the green so he could get there first. <laughs> Absolutely nothing strange happening here. Pick up the ball, and he actually threw it <laughs> closer <laughs> to the hole. Uh, oh, no. And around, you know, around the, the fourth hole when, when the, you know, he sprinted again, like they, were, they said, yeah, let's follow him. <laughs> they chased yeah. after him, and they caught him doing it. And so he was immediately yeah. disqualified. And, never, you know, not as exciting a story. And, <laughs> You know, I'm mad at myself because I think you may recall, I, at first I was like, that she couldn't have gotten away with this for all 18 holes. Like, that didn't seem plausible. But, um, but no, I just, uh, I just accepted this was an incredibly feasible, plausible thing, which I should have known that it probably wasn't. Yeah, I mean, and in my version, she's, she was actually a decent enough golfer to get it on the green. Sure. Just a little kick to get it closer. To, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, shaving one stroke each, each hole, probably in the process. It, yeah. Although I mean, I have always said that the the whole concept of golf uh, and <laughs> this at, at the professional level, not not you know your weekend duffer, but at the professional level, when every shot is captured three sixty by seventy six cameras, there is no need at the end of the day to go into a tent and sign a scorecard. Yep. Yep. 
And the fact that that happens still, where they still go, uh-huh, you signed on it, this is 70, and you actually got 71, and you're disqual... No, no. Because to me, that's the same thing as if, you know, we get to the NBA final, and at the end of the game, they go, hey, LeBron, what'd you shoot from the field? Um, 13 for, for 23? Nope, it's 13 for 24. Your team loses! <laughs> You know, I if the, the the Monday morning quarterbacking is kicking in very hard right now because I realize that she had, if she had a six stroke lead, she's probably not kicking it anymore. I think she probably can afford to like just get to put out from from the the fringe or something. Because um, I could imagine like if she had a one stroke lead and she was nervous about not making it. Sure, but <laughs> that was I should have thought about this more critically. Yeah, well, uh, woulda and shoulda and coulda. <laughs> Uh, you know, too bad uh, Jane Park couldn't have run back to warn you. <laughs> Jane! I, I, I often think about the uh, the old saying that the point of golf is to play the least amount of golf. And uh, and I'm, <laughs> I, one, I, I like that. I, I, I like, yeah, so this is coming to mind and I wish uh, I wish I had thought about that too. Anyway. Yeah, that, it's a very, it's a very Mitch Hedberg setup there. It was very Hedbergian. I don't, I don't believe it was actually Hedbergian, but. Uh, but I can hear, I can hear it. The point of golf is to play the least amount of golf. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, rest in peace, Mitch. I, didn't oh, I know, man. What a shame. Also, what a shame is our actual truth. Oh yeah. Fact uh, number four. Yeah, all that stuff with uh, Donald Crowhurst and the yacht race around the world. Uh, they made it to a movie uh, called The Mercy with Colin Firth just a few huh. years back. Uh, and hey, you know, your life couldn't have gone that poorly if. You get Colin first to play in the biopic, I suppose. Yeah, it could uh, be worse. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, sadly, all of that true. Oh, boy. Well, now I'm just sad. Thanks, AJ. <laughs> <laughs> You've done a good job bumming me out. But um, I mean, I, what, what, I, I, I do want to, maybe I'll, maybe I'll watch. I don't, I don't know if the movie's any good. I might check it out. Like, do boats just sink? This seems like a lot of boat sinking. I don't, I guess they do. I don't know. Well, I, I think that in, in terms of a part, you know, part of Crowhurst's issue was, you know, the fact that he skimped so much to kind of take a lot of, uh, take those donations. So you're saying the, the rudder isn't optional. That's kind of a, a mandatory. Yeah. But, you know, he skimped on his stuff. So the fact that he had issues and he was like kind of meandering around the Atlantic for a couple months and just going, I'll just, I'm just turning my radio off and I'm not reporting in. And then I'll just say, oh, yes, I'm uh, just rounding South America now. <laughs> on my way back. And, you know, he, you know, he showed up somewhere on, the, on, 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 you know, on, on like, yeah, no, I'm at, I'm at this village here. Here's, here's a guy from the village. Yes, he is here. You know? <laughs> at that point, sure. You know, um, I, you know, that's believable uh, that his ship was falling apart because he skimped. Uh, it, the, again, the reason that the other yacht sank was not so much that there was anything wrong with the boat or that the sailor didn't know what he was doing. It was just that he pushed the boat way too hard sure. because he thought, oh, crap, this guy's catching me. Uh, better, better crank it. And, you know, probably was a little bit uh, not as cautious. Careless. Yeah. Careless. Yeah. Should have been in the, you know, the boat went, went hit, hit the wrong thing. So uh, it wasn't so much that, you know, oh yeah. 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 On a normal sailing day, <laughs> lovey, take, take the boat out into the harbor. You're like, it's not going to sink, but yeah, uh, yeah you, you push it like that. It, it was a three hour tour. Like, you know, the weather started getting rough. I, I get it. Well, you know, I I think that in hindsight, obviously, there were crumbs there that were left that I could have picked up if I was so inclined. But um, 
But I think that this is a sign of my my wishful thinking. I like to think that people wouldn't wouldn't uh, wouldn't be this this uh, this you know short sighted or irresponsible. But lo and behold, they sure can. Yeah, and they said and they said at the end. I mean, it wasn't so, it wasn't entirely the shame. It was the shame combined with you know malnutrition, a little uh, deliria yeah. from uh, just That'll wandering do it. around in the in the water for for months. Yep. So. You know, not the greatest mental health uh, at yep. that stretch. Uh, pushed to his limits. Uh, these things happen, unfortunately. Um, oh, wow. And unfortunately, he did not get it right. No, uh, no, sure did not. In the realm of tragedy. Not that much of a tragedy. Uh, but thank you so much for being here. Uh, it sounds to me like you had a, a fun time. And uh, I did. Uh, before I kick you out my hot seat, the uh, floor is yours for any pimping, plugging, uh, schemes to defraud uh, major governmental agencies out of money for trips. Uh, Let's you know, see. Go for it. Uh, ooh, pimping and plugging. Um, you know, I, I, I have no uh, specific uh, agenda other than just to thank you for, for the time. I appreciate the new format. Um, I, I encourage everyone, I guess I don't know when this is coming out, but depending on what season it is, just uh, spend time with, with family and enjoy each other's company. Um, that's not really a, a very uh, a hot take, but I will say, uh, hey, get your boosters. That's it. That last time I think I said get your vaccine. Now I'll say get your boosters. Everyone uh, be safe. Take good care of each other. And uh, yeah, other than that, thanks for having me, AJ. And um, it was it was fun, if albeit unsuccessful. Yeah, you know, you know, uh, I, I wish I could say that. No, by the time this comes out, the, the, the request for boosters won't be needed because everyone, of course, will rush right out at the first oh, opportunity. Sure. But I know that even if I were to wait six months, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, such is the world we live in. Uh, it's a Carlos Rigoberto world, and I just <laughs> oh no. Uh, well, thank you guys so much. Now get out of my hot seat. Uh, thank you all for listening. If you'd like to join our Facebook group, meet my guest, the fans' hot seat. A lot of community there, and there's always the Patreon. Patreon.com slash meet my guest. Ain't going to say no to your help, but even if you just want to listen, that's okay too. We appreciate you. And we'll be back next week with another brand new episode of Beat My Guest. Until then, take care and bye bye. Did you beat our guest or did our guest beat you? Tell us all about it on Facebook at Beat My Guest, the fan's hot seat. If you'd like to help contribute to the cause and help make more episodes possible, we ain't going to say no to that. Find us at Patreon.com slash Beat My Guest. And if you liked what you heard, Spread the word! This is absolutely not been a Mark Goodson, Bill Todman production. 